Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm in worship that I just get lost. And uh, today has been one of those days. I almost forgot I was preaching today, so that would have been awkward. Um, I tell you what, I am excited about what God wants to do today. Are you excited? I believe this word. There's a testimony at the end of this message that I believe is going to speak to so many. I heard so many uh, people after the 9 o'clock. It's, it's really been ministering to people. So I want to remind you, those of you online, if you're scrolling through right now and you're on Facebook, stop right now and listen to this message. I believe God has a word for you. And I want to welcome the Oklahoma City campus. You guys are awesome. It's always so good to be here with you guys. Can you help me in welcoming Edmund? I miss you guys. I love you. I love you, Edmund, and I'm excited about what God wants to do. And I want to do something real quick. Pastor John is on sabbatical right now, a time of, of that he just needs to, to rest, and we're in a season of rest. I believe he's on a beach right now, but he's going to be back in August, so everybody take a chill pill, okay? Take a deep breath. He's not leaving forever. He's resting, but can we honor Pastor John? We love you, Pastor John. I love you, Pastor John, Pastor Michelle. So thankful for your leadership. We have great leaders in this church, and I am so thankful for their leadership and thankful they're led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, get ready. This fall is going to be absolutely amazing. Well, today I want to get into the message because I'm preaching on the entire chapter of Exodus 14. So the plan is I should be done. It's 1122. Uh, I'll be done by 4 o'clock. How's that sound? Can you guys... I mean, that's like back in the day. You know, how many of you guys grew up in a church where it went until the pastor said it was done? I'm taking you back to the old school. Here we go. Exodus 14. I'm kidding. I'll have you out of here on time. Exodus 14, 1 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Harath. Now, here's what's happened. To give you some backstory. Uh, Moses experiences God at the burning bush. God told Moses to go to Egypt to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. He gets into Egypt. Pharaoh doesn't want to let him go. All these plagues come, and Pharaoh is finally like, get these people out of here. I'm just telling you, God will do whatever he needs to do to make his word come forth. And so, so here's where we find ourselves in chapter 14. And it says, so it says, in camp near uh, Pihirath, between Migdal and the sea. That's the Red Sea that we know the story of. So they encamped by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Let me just tell you something real quick. Pause for just a second. For some of you, you're going through a difficult time. You're going through a challenge right now. And can I just remind you that maybe it's so that God can get glory through your life? Maybe the very challenge, I don't believe he put it on you, but I believe he will use it. And the challenge you're facing right now 
is so that he will gain glory. And I just want God to get glory with my life. So glory through the good and glory through the tough, right? So it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and lost our service. We've lost our slaves. It says, go. So, it says, so he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the, Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching boldly. Now here's the thing. The enemy's going to come at you boldly. But in just a minute, he tells them to stand firm. And that's what we are called to do. He came at them boldly. The Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea of Pirath. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, terrified and cried out to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, was it because there were no graves, here's what they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Say stand firm. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Say, be still. So my title is a bit of an oxymoron. It's the production of stillness. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you that your word never returns void. And there is someone or people listening today online in Edmond and OKC that need this word. I pray that it would pierce hearts and change our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Slap a high five. Grab a seat. Thank you for joining us online. We're so thankful for you and excited about what God is going to do in your life through this word today. The production of stillness. I don't like to be still. Anybody like me, you don't like to be still? All the men are raising their hands. All the women are elbowing their husbands. Any project people, you've always got to be working on something. You've always got to be moving and working. And, and that's me. I'm, a, I'm, not a very, I'm not good at being still. I, uh, we're going on vacation. I preach today, and then we're on vacation going to Florida. And I'm really excited about it. My wife is very nervous because I plan out all day, every day. Like, she's like, like, we went on our honeymoon, and I was so romantic, I built in zero time to hang out. I mean, I had, we had, you know, places to be and things to see. I mean, I want it, when I go somewhere, I want to experience all of it. You know, who's like me? You just want to experience all of it. My wife was like, on our honeymoon, she's like, can we just have one pool day? I'm like, two hours, babe, two hours. That's all we got. Listen, I don't tan very easy. I don't need any pool time. I don't like to be still. And many of us, I'll tell you this, in our spiritual lives, we don't understand the discipline of being still. Especially 
um, us that are American, our, our, our American culture, we, we move. In other countries, like whenever we go to other countries, even in England, like they understand the importance of rest and the importance of being still. Many countries have, like my grandmother, she was um, English. She met my grandfather during World War II and moved to America. And, and she has, every day that she was alive, she had a tea break. She would stop and she'd have hot tea. I don't understand hot tea. I like iced tea, but I, I didn't understand hot tea. But she had a tea break. They understand, in, around the world, they understand the importance of being still. We don't get it. We don't get being still. But I'm just telling you, if we will be still, stillness will produce some things in us. The production of stillness. The first is this, is that stillness produces clarity. Stillness produces clarity. I don't know about you, but have you ever been through a season, or maybe you're in a season right now where you need clarity? Maybe need some clarity right now, many hands going on, maybe for clarity for direction, maybe just clarity on a situation, clarity on a relationship. There's many times that we need clarity. Stillness produces clarity. Now, Moses had a predicament on his hands. Moses had a problem. Because he was leading a bunch of ungrateful whiners. Some of you are bosses or your parents, you're going, I know that feeling. How many parents, to get, can I get an amen, parents? Ungrateful, whining. But Moses is trying to lead these people. And you would think they would be grateful. They were just slaves. They just worked for somebody else. They were told what to do, when to do it. And they don't even barely get out of Egypt and they start telling Moses, did you just leave us out here to bring us out here to die? Do they not have enough graves in Egypt that you just brought us out here? It's better for us to be a slave than to die in the desert. We can quickly forget what God does for us, don't we? Man, God can perform something or do something or speak something, and we can turn around in the next moment, forget everything he's done and complain about. See, it's easy for us to be hard on the Israelites. I mean, I, I look at that, I'm like, I can't believe they did that. But if I'm really honest, how many times do I do that? How many times do I forget what God has done and, and complain and gripe and whine about my life when, when God is saying, will you just remember? See, stillness, though, will produce clarity. Being still gives us the time and the space to see things as they really are. So Moses has this moment where he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're not seeing very clearly right now. You're not, you're not seeing. You're seeing the enemy, but you're not seeing what God is about to do. See, that's what happens with fear. Is that we see something and we see the things around us and we begin to become terrified. And we forget the God that we serve. We're not thinking clearly. We forget how big God is. They forget about the plagues that God sent. They forget about the miracles that he's performed. 
Maybe for you, you forgot about a word that God gave you. Or you forget about how God saved a marriage, saved your marriage, and now you're struggling again and you completely forgot about what he did before. You forget how God moved in your children or you forget how God provided your job or provided direction for you. Now you're in a season where you need direction and you totally forgot how he did it before. See, sometimes we have to look back to remember who God is so that we can look forward to know that God is in my future as well. But sometimes we have to be still enough. I don't know about you, but I like to move. And if we don't practice the discipline of spiritual stillness, we'll miss what God is doing. And we won't think clearly. And for some of us, you're in a place where you're tired, you're worn out, you're fearful, you're jaded, just like the Israelites. And I believe God is saying to you, will you just lose, I mean, will you just be still? Will you just rest? So Moses has this moment in verse 13 where he says this. He says, don't be afraid. I know you're looking at the... I know you're looking at the, the enemy. I know you see them coming. I know, but this is about God getting glory. So don't be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Say, be still. Speak to your, your spirit, for your, your soul for just a minute. Say, be still. Be still. Still. Be still. It's easy for us to get negative though, isn't it? Anybody know someone that's just really negative? You can raise your hand for yourself and no one will even know you're doing it. <laughs> See, I worded that perfectly for you. Anybody know? Yeah, I know myself. I'm negative. I saw this on, I saw this on uh, uh, social media. Occasionally social media has something good. Very little of the time. Any HGT, HGTV people, come on. Raise your hands. I mean, HGTV, I tell you what, some of you are, are, are so glued to it. Like you are the expert on home remodels, even though you've never done it before. <laughs> you know exactly. You're picking them apart. Honey, I wouldn't do that backsplash. <laughs> uh, what are they doing? But if you found yourself doing it, you'd lose so much money. Just, just keep, stay to your day job, okay? Stay to your day job. But I love this. Here's what it says. It says this. It says, if you watch HGV, HGTV too long, you'll become dissatisfied with your home. Come on, can I get an amen? If you stay on social media too long, you'll become dissatisfied with your life. If you watch the news too long, you'll become dissatisfied with the world. Listen, if you fix your eyes on this world too long, you're going to figure out that this world's going nowhere. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. So here's a word for someone. Here's a word for someone. For some of you, stop watching HGTV. Get off social media. Stop watching the news. Can I tell you, there is so much more good news in the Word than there will be on Channel 5. Come on. 
But a lot of times we're just moving so much that we can't hear God. There's so much movement in our lives that we can't even hear him. And I love this picture in 1 Kings of how God often speaks. And you, remember, you probably remember this story. If you don't, you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 19. But this is where Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal. And, you know, this amazing story is pretty cool. When we went to Israel, I got to stand in that very spot. It was just unbelievable to think about. Read that story. I promise you it will speak to you. But after that, of course, fear sets in. And so Ahab tells Jezebel what happened. So Jezebel sends word uh, for, for Elijah. And so Elijah, being the mighty man of God, he, 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 uh, he runs. He runs from the situation. He begins to be fearful. Again, just like the Israelites, he sees or he hears what's about to happen. And so what does he do? He runs and he hides. He actually prays to God for God to take his life. And then he finds himself in a cave. And here's what it says in chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by, then a great, so he goes and stands out there, and then it says, then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And it says, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the the fire, and I imagine that Elijah feels in this moment like you and I have felt at times. Of God, you said you were going to speak, now where are you? Where are you, God? God, I've been, I've been trying to hear you, but here's the thing. Oftentimes we look for God in the big, and God speaks differently. Look at this. It says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And some of you guys have been asking for God to yell. But God whispers. And you've been looking for God in the big sign. But God's saying, will you just stop? Be still. I want to speak to you. I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to, I feel like this is someone needs to hear this. And that's where this emotion's coming from because I believe he wants to say, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I know, I know it's difficult. And I know you're hurting. And I know you're scared. But stop looking for me in the big Stop looking for a sign and get in my word because I want to speak. But you have to be still enough to listen and to hear me. Because I believe God wants to speak to you. And some of you are praying, but you're not stopping long enough to listen. 
Some of you are moving so much in your prayers. You know all the right things to say. You, you're praying for, for long periods of time, but you're not even stopping enough to hear the whisper. And it won't be necessarily a vocal voice. I can tell you many times when it's just been me and God, and I was going through something hard. And I find myself by myself still enough to hear God say, I love you. It's okay. And I'm telling you, I'd rather hear a whisper than see a sign any day. I'd rather be still enough to hear the whispers of God because we need to listen. I'm just telling you, he speaks. But are we still enough to hear him? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations of the earth. This word, be still, is derived from the Hebrew word, rafa. Say rafa. Say rafa. Man, you guys are weird. It means this, it was derived from this word, and it means to be weak, to let go, to release. Can I just encourage someone, you need to stop striving and just release. Here's what it means. Essentially, it means this, surrender. And some of you need to say, God, I've been trying so hard, I've been pushing so hard, I've been working so hard, I've been praying so hard, and I believe God would say this, will you just sit and rest and be still because I want to show myself to you. And the Israelites, the, the Egyptians you see today, you will not see tomorrow. The Lord will deliver you from your situation. He will deliver your marriage. He will deliver your job. He will deliver your kids. He will deliver your direction. But we just need to step back and be still and gain some clarity that I'm not in control, but I'm thankful to a God who is in control despite, the, despite my situation. So stillness produces clarity. The second thing that stillness produces is peace. Say peace. peace. Who needs some peace? Eben, who needs some peace? You know, God guides us by his peace. I tell people all the time, like, they, they say, I don't know which way to go. and I, don't know I, I say, which, where's your peace? Problem is, we're moving so much, we, we don't know how to experience his peace. Because we're working too hard. We have to sit back and release and say, God, give me your peace. But here's what's interesting. In verse 13, before Moses says anything, the very first four words he says is this, do not be afraid. It's interesting that Moses, and if you'll look through Scripture, you'll see this constantly through Scripture, where God addresses people or an angel addresses people. And here's what it always says. It always starts with this, do not be afraid because we are fearful people. We're just fearful. And let me just remind you for a second that fear is the territory of the enemy. I like war movies. Anybody like war movies? Come on. I love war movies. I, love, I actually like the old movies where there's battles and they're on horseback and they're, they're in their, their gear. I mean, that's cool to me. Okay, and so you may think that's weird. It's cool to me. 
But I love it because they had to be a little bit more strategic. It was, I can't imagine one-on-one combat battle like that. You know what I mean? Like, just crazy to think about. And they had to be strategic. You know, they didn't have all the technology that we have now and the tanks and the airplanes and be able to see with satellite where their enemy's at. So they would do things like they would send part of their troop in to lure their, their enemy in and they would come around the backside and they would get them from both, flank them from the side and get them on both sides. And if we're not careful, I'm just telling you right now, the enemy uses fear to lure us in so he can come around and he can get you. Because the territory of the enemy is fear. The territory of God is peace. And the enemy is really good. He's really good, it, good at getting us to fear. He's really good. See, because he'll speak to us. God will speak to us and the enemy will speak to us. But again, going back to that, if we're not quiet enough, we can't hear God. But I don't know about you, but, but I'm a loud person. Can you tell? Um, a lot of times my kids um, are very loud, especially my youngest. Uh, he's, he has one level, and it, he's two levels. It's loud and louder. That's it. Sometimes I look at his, his mom and I say, where did he get that? And she just looks at me. <laughs> In fact, Cameron, uh, our associate pastor, I love Cameron. Can we give it up for Pastor Cameron? He is so awesome. And I just appreciate the way that he serves our church and, and serves me at the Eben campus. And he's really kind sometimes when he says something to me. And, and uh, so one time um, I got off the phone and uh, he goes, man, you, you are really loud when you talk on the phone. <laughs> I didn't realize when I talk on the phone, I'm like, I'm talking to Cameron. Hey, how are you doing? And I got the phone. Hey, hey, how's it going? You know, you'd be like me. Or this one time I had the phone like right next to my mouth. And I was talking real loud, and he goes, you know what? I don't think you actually have to put the, I think they can hear you if the phone's away from your mouth. I'm just loud. But listen, when, when, we're, when we're so loud, when our life is so loud, we, we can't experience the peace that God has for us. And we have to be still enough to hear the voice of God and still enough to experience peace because the enemy is really good at luring us in to fear. In fact, I, I'm a bit of a nerd, and I like documentaries. Anybody like documentaries, documentary people? Come on. I love a good documentary. And uh, I saw this documentary, and it was talking about um, it's talking about fear. And it really caught my attention because it was talking about how um, uh, people that, you know, when you sleep in a new setting, um, oftentimes you won't sleep very well. Anybody like me? Like when I, got, when I hit 40, my eyesight went, and then I can't sleep in hotels very well. Anybody like me? And so, I mean, it could be the perfect bed, and I will be up for two days. We're about to go on vacation, so it's going to take me two days to start sleeping good. And so what they were saying was, this is actually a fight-or-flight mechanism that our brain does. This is something that, that our brains have developed over time. Because our ancestors, at, at one point, they couldn't fully go to sleep. There was, there was a lot of things that could get them. And so the brains have learned when you're in a setting that you don't want to be or you're in a setting that's, that's foreign to you, that's different for you, your brain can actually, half your brain can sleep while the other half of your brain is awake. Anybody been here before? Like you're dreaming but you're not asleep? You ever, that is from the devil. I hate that. I'm like dreaming, but I'm not sleeping, and I wake up so tired. 
But our brains have, have developed this process to tell you that you're not okay. You have to protect yourself. And I wonder how many of you are in that, space, that, that, that rest place spiritually where you haven't allowed yourself to fully rest because your body and your mind and your world is telling you you cannot be safe. And so you want to spiritually be still and you want to spiritually rest and you want to spiritually experience peace, but your mind is telling you you can't because here's a, a few of the, this documentary was talking about a few of the processes that, that your brain takes. It says first that when there's fear, the brain short circuits more rational processing. Paths. It, it shortcuts your rational thinking. Like we talked about, you, gain, you don't gain clarity because you're, you're fearful. So all you think about is that one thing. Your, brain, your brains are wired to only focus on the fear. Like if you were attacked by a bear, I don't know if anybody's attacked by a bear, but if you're attacked by a bear, like the only thing you'd be able to think about is that bear. That's how your brain is wired to think. And so what happens is fear comes and all of a sudden your brain reacts to it. It says the brain reacts immediately to the signals instead of the more rational thinking. It goes to the signal, it goes to the issue. The second phase is the brain perceives the events that it's going through is negative. So when this overactive state of the brain perceives events as negative, and listen to this, and it remembers it that way. Okay, this is, this is important. So your brain stops thinking rationally, starts seeing the fear, sees this situation as negative, and the third phase is this. We notice and store all of the details. So it says, the brain stores the details surrounding the danger. Listen to this. The sights, the sounds, the odors, the time of day, the weather, etc. Everything. Your brain stores it. And here's the key. The de those details later can trigger fear later that's similar to that. Those same sights, sounds, and contextual details of fearful event may bring back a memory or they may cause us to feel afraid without consciously knowing why because these cues were associated with a previous danger. The brain may see them as a, pre a predictor of threat. And so for some of you, you try to be still, and you, but you can't experience peace because of something that's previously been done. You had something happen in your past and it's keeping you from experiencing peace in your present and hope for your future. Someone maybe uh, for you, you you're, on your second, you're on your second marriage and you can't get past something in this marriage because of what happened in your previous marriage. And when they say something or do something that would even signal anything related to what happened in the past, you take it out on them in the, in the present. It's keeping you from having a healthy marriage right now. For some of you, what happened when you were a child continues to resonate. And you know what's interesting about what they said? That what they said was, you, you may unknowingly strike this fear, not knowing that this thing is doing it. I think for some of us, what we need to do is we need to break the fear. We need to break the, the symptoms that take place because of what happened to us in the past. 
And so I'm going to do that. I want to I pray over you. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I did this at the 9, and I want to do this at the 11 as well. I want to pray over you right now. I want to pray that whatever happened to you in the past that's haunting you in your present and keeping you from having hope to the future, I want to break that right now. Can we break that? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person right now. I pray over every mind. I pray that fear would be gone in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have a future. You have a hope for us, God. I thank you, God, that we can experience peace. I pray, Lord, that people would sleep like they've never slept before. I pray, Lord, that they could be still like they've never been still before in your presence because fear would be gone. We break the fear. Enemy, you have no right here. You have no right to hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. So we cast you out in the name of Jesus. You have no authority by the name of Jesus. It's broken right now. And fear, you must be gone in the name of Jesus. And can I get an amen? Amen. amen. We see the issue and it strikes fear. Jesus deals with this in Mark 4, 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took, along just, uh, they, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with, them, with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the, in the stern sleeping. So, you know, that's just Jesus, isn't it? It's like, Fear, all this fear is going on and this wave's going on. And what's Jesus doing? Ah, he's asleep. Sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You ever felt that way before? God, don't you care? God, don't you care that my life is a wreck right now? Don't you care? It says he got up, he rebuked the wind of the waves and said, Quiet, be still. Say, be still. Quiet, be still. Still, the wind died down, and it was completely calm. His disciples, he looked at his disciples, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you not remember who I am? Do you not remember what I've done? We can so easily forget what God has done and who he is and peace. Listen comes when we are still enough to not worry about what's around us, but to see who God is, that clarity, to see who God is and what he's capable of doing. Philippians, I love this, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, which we do really well, we can pray and we can petition God and we can ask, but here's, what it, here's the key. By prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving. In the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your, your, your turmoil, in the middle of the issue, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We don't know why we have it. will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, we often miss that praise must be present to experience peace. Praise must be present to experience 
peace. Can we just praise God? Can we just thank him for who he is? We praise you, Lord. Praise must be present. So if you're going through struggle, if you're going through issues, if it doesn't look very good, can I just remind you? Yeah, pray. Yeah, petition. But don't forget to praise. Don't forget to thank God. Don't forget to remember who he is. Because in thanksgiving, listen, praise gives us clarity. Praise brings peace. Praise remembers who God is. Pray, re- praise remembers what he's done. Praise says, despite what I'm going through, you are in control. And I release to you. I, I surrender and I say, God, whatever it takes, I praise you. I praise you. So stillness produces clarity. Stillness produces peace. The last one is this. I love it. Stillness produces trust. Say trust. Do you trust God? Trusting God. Listen, we have to get to a place that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what is in front of me, no matter how much the enemy is coming, no matter what it looks like, the Israelites were being attacked. The Pharaoh sent his best army, his best chariots, and the rest of his chariots. They're faced with a sea in front of them. It looks like it's over. Moses had enough clarity and enough peace to say, listen, just trust God. And I don't know what you're going through, but I'm just telling you this. God can be trusted. He, did, he has never failed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he hasn't failed then, he's not going to fail with you. Amen. So the rest of the story, we read through 14. We're going to read the rest of the chapter. It says, then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites To move on, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians, you know, you will know, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Can we just pause for just a second? And if you haven't had clarity or peace yet, let me just give you some peace in this. Your God doesn't just go before you. But he is. He's going before you. That situation you're so worried about, guess what? God is going before you in that situation. He's in your future. But God just doesn't worry about taking care of your front side. He takes care of your backside. And what you think that that past is going to haunt you for the rest of your life, no, God's coming and he's standing between you and your past. He's standing between you and your past. And that past, all it's going to be is a testimony so God gets the glory through you. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's nothing to be 
afraid of. It's nothing to be upset about. It's simply a testimony to say that's who I was or that's what I went through and look who God is and look what he's doing now. It says the pillar of cloud moved also behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and the Israels throughout the night the cloud brought dark, uh, brought darkness to one side and light to the other side so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with all the water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and the horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. They saw what's going on. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, the Lord, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites in the sea. Not one of them survived, not one. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. The wall was of the water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their what? Trust in him and in Moses. Being still produces trust. Because being still recognizes that I cannot accomplish what I need to accomplish in this situation. The Israelites realized there is no way but God. There's no way I'm going to get through this situation but God. Being still produces trust. So I, I was reading this into this passage and I thought to myself, well, it's, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. Because Moses says, Mo, God had Moses tell them to be still, and then God says, What are you doing? Get moving. So what is it? Are we to be still or are we to move? And this is what God spoke to me. He says, you can have outward movement, but yet be inwardly still. You can have outward movement and be inwardly still. Listen, you can follow God and move with him and yet be still on the inside. He wasn't talking about the surroundings. He's talking about the internal and the problem is, is that many of us have tried to be still. We've been still on the outside, yet we've been moving on the inside. We flipped it. And God said, I want you to move. I want you to follow me. But yet I want you to be still and know that I am God. I want you to still your soul. I want you to quiet your heart. I want you to quiet your mind. In fact, Isaiah 30, 15 says it this way. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, 
in returning and rest shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So this week, um, this week was a pretty crazy week. I've been studying this, uh, I've been studying this, this passage and I knew I was going to speak on being still. And then I got a text from a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. He's become a good friend of mine. He's at the Ebon campus. I love him. He's got such a heart for God. Huge dude. Soft on the inside. And he sends a text to a group of us. He says, I need you to start praying right now. My son's been in an accident. He's been thrown from the vehicle. He got in a fender bender um, off the side of the road, and they pulled off to the side of the road. And uh, so he got his license, and he opened the door, took off his seatbelt, and was... um, getting things ready to exchange insurance information. And at that point, a car wasn't paying attention, didn't know what was going on. I'm not sure what happened to that car. I don't want to make assumptions, but all I know is they were, they were driving and they hit him in his car from behind going 60 miles an hour and it threw him out of his car, ejected him 65 feet outside of his car. I've got a picture of the car I want you to see. Now I got a picture of where he was thrown. So this car was actually, when it was hit, it was way up here. He was thrown that far. That's about 65 to 75 feet, and he hit concrete. And I remember um, calling him on my way to the hospital. I was going on my way to the hospital, and his son's 18, so he um, had to go to OU Medical. Children's Hospital, and uh, it's a COVID hospital, so he he couldn't get into the hospital. He had to sit, it was like an hour or more just in the parking lot, not knowing how his son was doing. The only thing he knew was his son was ejected from the vehicle. And I remember calling them, and I remember hearing the fear that was in his voice, but I remember instantly sensing peace come over. And he said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, and it was really cool because God had just given me this word. And I, got to, I, got to, I told him, I said, you know what? So I was just reading this. And you know what you have to do? You can't do anything right now. But if you'll just be still, you'll watch God fight for you. If you'll just be still. I'm telling you, God's going to do a miracle story. And here's the, the story. He, he, there's miracle after miracle after miracle. So listen to this. So he's thrown from the car. First person to the scene was a pastor. Pastor prays over him. Next person to the scene is a nurse. This is before the fire department or the ambulance even got there. Next person is a, is a, uh, is a nurse. And they, she began to help him immediately. He gets to the hospital and when they finally got in, they started to hear from the doctors that they've never seen a kid, they've never seen anybody go through a situation like this and end up as good as he is. Now, realize he did break his jaw, he lost some teeth, he broke his ribs, he, he, he collapsed his lung, okay? 
But they still, they, from what they saw and from what he experienced, he never should be in the situations in. They finally got him to a room. He turns on the TV. Listen to this. Listen to this. It's a live worship service, and the words immediately. He, he videoed it, and he sent it to me. You know what it says? You will see a victory. Worship, you will see a victory. Can I remind you that you serve a God that goes before you and goes behind you? He's protecting your every side. And no matter what it feels like, no matter how bad it gets, I'm just telling you, you can have clarity, you can have peace, and you can have trust in a God who is so good. So I want to read a text message to you that he sent to me. And this is kind of, this was after the whole thing, and we had been talking a lot through phone and through text. He said this, this is verbatim his words. It's beyond cool, brother. Jesus performed another miracle and answered my prayers to protect my children. Because he said, I, I, he told me when we were on the phone, he said, I pray my children are protected every day. You can rest assured that God protects your kids. He says, other people may see this as the worst thing they could experience, and I did too for just a second. But when fear, anxiety, and the feeling of being lost and not knowing what to do, I immediately reached out to my spiritual brother and asked him to pray. When David prayed for me, he, he started praising God and thanking him. I about told David that I had called the wrong person to pray because I didn't want to thank God in that moment. <laughs> You've been there before? This is, the, this is the heart of a father right here. He said, my heart was bleeding. But as he continued to pray and praise, my trust kicked in. I had a peace that came over me. I can't explain it. I still didn't even know what had happened to my son other than he had been ejected from his car. When David was done, I was in complete agreement with him in thanking Jesus and praising him. I have kept the same mindset through the whole journey so far. And listen to this. He says, and others have fed from the peace that God has given me. Amen. He had so much peace, he was giving away peace. The doctors, nurses, and family members of my son, they all were receiving peace because he had experienced peace, because he was thanking God. He said, I'm so thankful the decision I made was to not let fear set in. Recognize it, call for help, and release it. I mean, he spoke, he's speaking my message. He sent this to me yesterday after I wrote my entire message. I was like, thank you, Jesus. It says, when he made it to the first room, the nurses turned on the TV, and Amelia heard, I'm going to see a victory, was the song playing. I took a video of it because I couldn't believe it. In the following days, more and more people couldn't believe that my son was ejected from a vehicle and he looked like he did. Thank you, Jesus. I want to show you a picture of a kid that was thrown 65 feet out of a car. Can we praise God and can we thank him for his protection, for his grace, for his mercy? And I've been praying for this kid the whole time and I've been praying ever since that this kid never forgets what his God did for him. And I pray, listen, this is the beginning. This is just the beginning of a testimony. God is going to use his life to reach thousands of people for Jesus. 
And whatever you're going through, whatever, however bad it looks, I'm just telling you, you serve a God that you can trust. Trust him. Quit striving. Quit working. Quit trying to make it happen on your own and release it and be still before your God. So what I want to do at both of our campuses, all of our campuses and online, right there where you're at, is I want us to practice being still. Maybe for some of you, you've been so inwardly moving that you haven't been still for a moment. You haven't slept well. You've been driven by anxiety and fear. And I want us to give us a moment to just sit. To just be still. For some of you, you may hear the whisper. You may hear God speak to you for the first time in a long time. You've maybe been praying for something and God's going to give you direction. But I want us to be still. So maybe you're going to just sit in your seat and not even sing. Maybe you're going to get on your knees right where you're at. Or maybe you're going to come to the altar at both campuses and, and just get on your knees and just sit in his presence. Whatever you need to do, I want us to be still. Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, in these moments, minister to us, quiet us by your love. Speak to us. Father, I pray that we could experience your peace, your clarity, and, and God, we trust you as we're still. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.